And I want to speak on the subject, words of life. The Spirit, it is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. Words of life. Let me read it again. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. And you may be seated. I've been teaching on separation and preaching on this. I just want to change gears, go a different direction. I must say that uh, uh, the messages that I preached on separation, I really felt these. I trust that you will not forget that we are called by God to be a peculiar people. Not, not weird and odd, you know, but peculiar We are a holy nation. God has called us out of darkness into this marvelous light. Praise God. So don't forget those messages. And if I see that you're forgetting, I promise that I will bring it up again. All right? Praise God. It's just something we have to do. We want to go to heaven, don't we? We want to go to heaven. I have a letter that is from Brother Dorsey Burke. He is an administrative assistant at WEC World Evangelism Center in the Foreign Missions Division. And he wrote me this letter some time back, and I read part of this to you, and of course we had prayer. But his letter... He states that his wife must come to the University of Wisconsin Hospital. She was approved as a candidate for a small intestinal transplant. Now, he states that they will need a donor. And so far I have not heard from Brother Burke, so I'm sure that his lovely wife is waiting for a donor for a small intestinal transplant. Now, this is no small matter. Uh, She will be in the hospital four or five months. And then, of course, she will need additional uh, time as an outpatient here in Madison. So she will be here for some time. And then, of course, the big thing that he states is that his wife Beverly, and please do pray for Sister Beverly Burke, that one of the big things that they will have to monitor is the rejection of the transplant and try to bring up the medicational level to a point that uh, she will be able to to function and then of course the body would in time accept this. Now the reason why I call your attention to this is because some people do reject changes within their spiritual life. Ezekiel talks about receiving a new heart. And uh, there's something, though, about the old man that sometimes he rejects the new nature, the new heart. And all of us are are well aware of the great baseball uh, home run slugger, Mickey Mantle, who recently passed away 
from lung cancer, but we thought it would probably be a, a liver problem because he had uh, failure of his liver and he had to have a liver transplant. It's a very difficult one. And then he went through that period of time in which his body was rejecting. And throughout America there was an alarm sounded that, uh, you know, that uh, we need to take up his name to our God in prayer. And many, many churches, even though this man was not, uh, he did not consider himself to be such a great church-going Christian, but uh, in the final stages of his life, uh, he uh, he expressed a lot of remorse over his lifestyle that brought about a bad liver and such. And, and then, of course, uh, once the donor was found and he received the liver, uh, rejection was a big, big problem. And what I want to talk about is just rejection of the words of life. I think that this is something that is that is very, very important for us to talk about. I see a lot of people touch the Lord, and God wants to bring about change. When you grow, you change. You know that? Now, I'd like to first call your attention to the book of Ecclesiastes, the 12th chapter. We want to read verse 11. Uh, The Bible says the words of the wise are as goads. And as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. Now, what the Lord is doing is throughout the scripture, he talks about wisdom uh, and how that that wisdom versus foolishness. Uh, The foolish man has said in his heart, there is no God. The Bible talks continually about the words of the wise. Now, I, I realize that in my text, I, I read about God and about God's Word. However, God is the true source of truth and wisdom. Now, the Bible says the words of the wise are as goads. And I want to talk about goads for a little while because I think uh, especially our younger audience can can perhaps relate to this a little bit more. Have Have you ever reached the point in which you felt maybe your parents were kind of thorns in the flesh? <laughs> maybe some of you have stated that. Boy, she or he is a real thorn in my flesh. I I can tell you that I went through a, a, a period of time in which uh, I just considered my, my mother to be my greatest enemy. And I, I had three people that 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 were always after me. My mother, and then the pastor of the church that my mother attended, which I uh, uh, attended quite often, and then my grandparents. Now, for some reason, my grandparents, I don't know why, but for some reason, when they would get on to me, I would listen. And, and I know that there were times in which my mother would go talk to my grandmother and say, now, he's going to be down here this week. If you have any uh, words of wisdom that you can impart to him, you need to do it. Because invariably, now, there's, you know, there, is a, 
There is a, there, there's got to be a hotline, see, between some people and the pastor, you know, and, and then, of course, uh, uh, others around. I felt, I really felt that my mother told the preacher what to preach. And I really felt that my mother uh, told my grandmother what to talk to me about. Now, my, my grandmother and grandfather... Um, you know, they just, uh, I mean, you talk about, uh, but they live way out in the sticks. My grandfather, of course, this was several years ago, you know, but uh, he farmed and we, he didn't have a tractor or anything. He lived very much like the Amish people live, quite frankly. Uh, I remember when we had no electricity in his house, no running water, other than John, run, get a bucket of water. <laughs> Uh, outdoor uh, toilets. Uh, I mean, just no modern conveniences at all. Had an old pickup truck that he painted with a, a powder puff. Um, I'm serious with you. It was an old Ford truck, and it was black, and it got to looking so bad. And so he decided he'd paint it green. And so I asked him, I said, now... Uh, I called him Paul. I said, Paul, how come you paint it with a powder puff? He said, well, I couldn't think of anything smoother than that. I, he said, I didn't want to have any brush lines in it. Well, I said, if, for sure, if you paint it with a powder puff, you won't have brush lines. But he had a lot of smears. <laughs> and I used to sit, I had to sit in the middle when I went to church with them because the, 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 the truck would jump out of gear. And it had this floor shift, and I had to hold my hand around and hold this thing down as tightly as I could to keep it in gear. And when there was not a, a child riding in the seat, my grandmother had to do it. And my grandmother and grandfather almost broke up several times. <laughs> Over this old truck, it wouldn't stay in gear. Now... When my grandfather got down to the bumper, he painted bumper and all. Everything was green. I mean, it was green. It was... <laughs> I hated to go to the store. <clears throat> now, I'm, sa- I'm saying all that for a reason. I reached a point which I really thought that my mother and my grandparents and my pastor were just plain stupid. I thought, these are the dumbest people I have ever... <clears throat> now, this is the attitude sometimes kids get. You know. Now... A lot of you are laughing, and you, you probably can, can relate to this. Have you ever thought that your parents were dumb? It's like, you know, I'm young, and I'm smart, and there's a lot of new things in the world. And they don't, you know, they don't, they just, they're just not in tune with the world anymore. You know? And I remember talking to a young lady who is now married, the mother of two children. Her husband is the secretary and treasurer for one of our churches here in Wisconsin. At one time, I was her pastor, and I told her her parents were trying to get her to do something, and she didn't want to do it. And I said, you know what's going to happen here? I said, about the time you turn 30, you'll be married and probably have a child, and you will regret, you will literally regret uh going so strong and so aggressively against your parents. And, and she laughed at me. You know, the last time I saw her, well, not the last time I saw her, but the time before, I just saw her up at camp. 
She told me, she said, you remember when you telling me that? She said, I resented that. She said, when I walked out of your living room that day that you told me that, I said, there is no way this pastor does not know what he's talking about. But she said, you're absolutely right. It is amazing, you know, how smart you get, uh, you know, just within a, a matter of years. When you start evaluating life the way, the way life really is. Now, when Solomon talks about goads, he's, he's really talking about the sharp sticks that are held in the hands of uh, those who do the plowing. And sometimes they, even on the end of the stick, they would put a sharp piece of metal. And when the oxen didn't want to pull, they would, they would take him and poke him real good. When he did not want to bear his responsibility, they, that was their way of getting him to go. Because sometimes they would just balk, and when they would balk, they just wouldn't go. Just stand there. And so <clears throat> the driver of the team would take and prod them along. And when the times would get rough and the heat would bear down and, and the load was heavy and they would get tired, uh, they want to go to the shade someplace. Nope, we got to plow this, this field. We've got to keep going. Now, Solomon said, the words of the wise are that way. That, that they, they have a way of kind of getting on your nerves. They have a way of just uh, really, really stirring you up. They have a way of sometimes bringing out the worst in you instead of what you, you know, would, would normally think. I'm going to get this get this ox to go right down this this road. Well see when when the Apostle Paul was converted, there was a similar statement made about his conversion. So if you have your Bibles turn to Acts nine. Acts nine, the Apostle Paul was was on his road to Damascus. Uh, he was going there to persecute Christians the Bible said, suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. Verse 3 of chapter 9, he fell to the earth. He heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now that's exactly what he's talking about. Let me just explain what was taking place. The Apostle Paul was a Pharisee. The Apostle Paul was a well-educated man. The Apostle Paul viewed the Christians of his day as being heretics. People who had accepted a false religion to the point of being damnable in the sight of God. And he wanted to do something about it. Now, the thing about it was that God was talking to this man. And it's amazing to me when God starts talking to people how ugly some of these people can get in their spirits. Have you ever started witnessing to someone and all of a sudden they just became hostile? I mean, good friends. Family members are great at this. You, know. you start witnessing to your family and boy, sometime, wow! Yeah, look out. Yeah. 
Because, you know, sometimes family members don't mind telling you. <clears throat> you know? Oh, I don't know how many people I've known to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And, and, and the first thing they wanted to do is get on the phone. I'm going to go call mom or dad. And they'd go call mom or dad. And on the other end, there would be a long silence. One mother even told me, she said, for years I prayed for my son. He was on drugs. And she said, I don't know why. I, she said, uh, you know, I've always belonged to, and she told me the, the brand of her church. <clears throat> and this is what she told me. She said, you know, I know that he's not on drugs anymore, and he's a law-abiding citizen, but I, I think I'd rather him be on drugs. And I mean to tell you, she launched an attack against our church. She wrote up her own little track. And she was passing this out among the, the, the neighborhood because our church was in the neighborhood. That's how we found her son. Her son was stoned one day. He was sitting on our church doorsteps around noon when I walked up and I began to witness. I took him inside and began to pray with him. And he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So when I, I took him down to, to mom, I mean to tell you, she was so happy. But all of a sudden, she found out he's not going to do this anymore. He's not going to do that anymore. He's not going to do this anymore. He's not going to do that anymore. And she got upset. I'm telling you, all you have to do to preach righteousness is just live right. And a lot of people don't like it. They don't like it. Why? Because you stand there as a, a shining example of Christianity. And this is what, this is what was happening to the Apostle Paul. And, and he, he said, I'm going to put these people to death. He, his mind was closed. He would not look into Christianity. And he was present when Stephen was stoned. He held the coats and cheered the people on while they literally put a man to death for being filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, obviously somewhere in Paul's heart, there was, uh, you know, he was sincere. God, only God would have known that. I would not have recognized it. You would not have recognized it. But God recognized his sincerity. And while he was on the road to Damascus, he had letters secured to punish people, even to put them to death. While he was on the road, all of a sudden the Bible says that, that there came a light shining from heaven, and it surrounded this man, and the voice of God began to speak. He said, Who art thou, Lord? And the voice spoke back, saying, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. And he said, Paul, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. In this case, he was talking about the principles and the scriptures of God's Word. Now, what is, what is he basically saying? Every time you kick against God's Word, you end up losing. And the Apostle Paul, you know, he was hooked up in this, he was hooked up in the harness and the traces, so to speak, doing his work for God. And, and all of a sudden, God's law would come to him, and when he would hear it, he'd close his mind. That's equivalent to kicking it. 
saying. Now, I've had just enough experience in the field to know how to properly represent this. One of the most stubborn creatures I've ever worked with was an old mule we had by the name of Smokey. You couldn't catch Smokey. When you get out in the field, what he'd do, he'd run straight toward you. And just as a little kid, I, I had to plow him. And, and he would scare me to death because he'd run straight at me. Man, I'd make a dive on the ground and underneath the barn and, and, but I, smoke would scare me to death. And I'd work and work and work. I'd, I'd literally stand out there with the halter and the rope in my hand till I'd cry. I couldn't catch him. And I had a neighbor whose name was Mr. Luce. And Mr. Luce had previously owned Smokey. Later on, bought him again, thank the Lord. <clears throat> but Mr. Luce would come out there and he'd say, Johnny, I never did like to be called Johnny. See, my name was John. And, and I always thought that Johnny sounded like, what should I say, like a little John, you know. See, is that what it means? Oh, that's right, okay. All right, all, everybody whose name is John knows that. <clears throat> okay. All right. So I didn't like to be called Johnny, but he called me Johnny. Johnny, let me show you what to do. And he'd take that halter and he'd walk towards Smokey and Smokey would just stand there. Smokey would not move. But I found out after Mr. Luce bought the horse, the mule back, I was a little bit older, he knew how to get his attention, see. But see, I didn't know how. And I remember one time Mr. Luce had caught Smokey and I was plowing in our field and there was an area there in which we had peach trees. And my dad always wanted me to crisscross around those peach trees when I'd come back. So I'd, I'd plow and I'd keep the weeds and grass down. And so help me one time, I got almost between the peach trees and Smokey says, I am not going. And he stopped. And I did everything I knew to do. And Smokey wouldn't go. Then I decided, oh yeah, this is what I'm going to do. So I took, you know, all the farm boys always had a big jackknife. So I took my knife out and I went over to one of these peach trees and I got these long switches on them. Now I knew that those switches hurt. <clears throat> I knew. So I cut a long peach tree limb and I went over there. And I said, now, Smokey, <clears throat> I got right down, look him in the eye. You look at me now. Now, we're going between these peach trees. You hear? I don't think he heard it. Because when I got behind the plow, get up, Smokey. Guess what he did? Nothing. I said, come on, Smokey. Nothing. I took that peach tree limb. And I mean, I switched him real good across the fetlocks. And you know what he started doing? He started kicking. Kick. Chains rattling. Kick. Kick. I said, okay, Smokey, let's go. Smokey wouldn't go. <clears throat> well, he kicked one of the traces loose. So I'm going to get down there right at his heels. <laughs> and I'm going to put this trace... You know what he did? He literally picked me up about six feet in the air when he kicked me. I mean, just 
<laughs> I have never been hit so hard. He hit me right in the pit of my stomach. It knocked the breath out of me. I thought I was dying. My life, my life passed before me, you know. <clears throat> oh my. I said, what am I going to do? I switched and I switched. I did everything. Mr. Luce, bless his heart, saw me having trouble. And he came over and he said, <clears throat> let me put him through there, Johnny. I said, all right. He just gets behind the plow. Come on, Smokey. Smokey walked on through. Later on, I asked him, I said, now, what did you do that I didn't do? He said, well, really nothing. I said, why would he go for you? But he wouldn't go for me. He said, I previously owned him. And we've been down this road before. And Smokey knows that when Joe Luce says, it's time to go. (laughs) Because he's already tried me. (laughs) And I can see the Apostle Paul. That's what God was telling him. He said, come on, Paul. We've got a minister for you. And guess what? Paul was, no, 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 no. I'm not going. You can't get me to go. I won't go. I won't go. Now, Solomon, he's talking about the words of of a wise person, like a parent talking to a child. You know, you see such great potential. You know, especially your child, because your child has more potential than everybody else's. You know how that goes. I mean, if your child becomes a preacher, he'll be the best preacher. If, If your daughter becomes a preacher's wife, she'll be the best preacher's wife that ever lived, because she's got the potential. And you try your dead level best to get them to understand. And it's almost like, you know, your words are like goads. They just they just so sharp and and antagonistic. And they seem to bring out the kick. However, Solomon went a step further now. He said, Now the words of the wise, they're like goads. However, Listen to this. They are also as nails fastened by the master of assemblies. Now, when we think of nails, in this respect, now nails are very sharp, but he's talking about fastening something. In other words, while you may be instructing your young'un, and your young'un is kicking, and considers your words to be antagonistic, please understand that your words also are like nails that fasten the commandments of God to their heart. That sometimes they're kicking against something, and yet at the same time it's getting down inside of their heart. And I think that's exactly what happened to Paul at his conversion. He was kicking against the traces, against the, the pricks. But at the same time, it seems like the more he said no, the more the Word of God was fastened in his heart. I've talked to people about... Well, here's, here's, a, here's a typical scenario. Let's say you've been teaching a home Bible study to someone for six months. 
You've gone through it already and they haven't given their heart to the Lord. But they still want you to continue. Now, I've instructed people down through the years, continue as long as they will allow you. Why? Sometimes you say they're getting no place. Now, I think there are some exceptions to the rule. But for the most part, if you keep preaching the Word of God, if you keep teaching the Word of God, guess what happens? Down inside of them, the Word of God is being planted. And let me just say this to all of you. You know, the, the, a, a real secret to seeing people converted is to get them to come to church and keep them in church. Keep them exposed to God and to God's commandment and God's laws. I've always been a firm believer that, that I can change anyone with the preaching of the Word. Now, when I say change anyone, I'm talking about God changing them. You understand that? Through the preaching of the Word. If they'll just give God the opportunity. And I've even seen people get upset and angry. And you think, oh, they'll never be back. And the very next time the doors are open, they walk in. And you say, I thought they wouldn't be back. Oh, while they were kicking... There was also the nail that was fastening. And this principle is, 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 is so, so great when we think about our children. Now, most of us are children in classes, and this is a good time to talk about this. But this, if you have a teenage son or daughter or, or a child that, that just got this, this ugly little spirit in him, you know, we, we say that, you know, they're strong will. Now, when I was a kid, it was just, he's got a devil in him. <clears throat> About the same thing, you know. Real close to the same thing. <clears throat> oh, my mother's told me more than once, son, you're just full of the devil. Now, my grandmother wouldn't say that. She says he's full of mischief. My mother says it's the devil. Close to the same, you know. But uh, <clears throat> I remember one night listening to my mother pray for me. And I remember turning over in the bed. And, and you know, there's just something about, I don't know, if you, if, you, if you have experienced this very much, listening to people pray, you either have to go pray with them or, or you have to just get out of the room. You know? And every now and then, while Sister Grant and I are reading, we like to read late at night, she will get some dip and some Doritos or something like that. And she'll chew on those things. Gets on my nerves. I can't stand it. And then when she realizes that it's bothering me, she slows down. And they go, crunch. Not too long ago, I said, hold it a minute. I'm going after some Doritos. I can't stand this. If I get them and eat with her, I'm all right. You know? 
And it's that way when people are praying. You know, you listen to them praying, and they get a hold of God, and they're, they're praying for lost souls, and you can be spiritual. But the fact that you're not praying, you feel condemned, you feel guilty. And, and, and the best way to, to avoid the feelings is either go join them or get out of the building. There have been times in which I couldn't join them. I, I just had to leave. But there are people that will come and kneel in here and pray, and I can be in my office and I can hear them crying and travailing. I said, oh God, I can't stand this. It's not that it's getting on my nerves. It's just one of those situations where, wow, you know, it's almost like it's so sacred that I either have to get involved in this or I've got to get out of here. And I remember my mother praying for me one night, and honestly, I'm telling you, I must have, conviction was on me so strongly. I took, I literally covered my head up and did I pray? Yes. I said, God, close her voice from my ears. I don't want to hear her anymore. She was praying for her Johnny. Really, put that pillow, I'm serious with you. I mean, I, I held it down on each side. I said, I can't hear this. I mean, what, how do you, I mean, here you are, you know, you're a teenager and, and, and you know, you're just, you, you consider yourself to be, you know, God's gift to the human race. And you don't want to get involved in something as, as old fogey, you know, as Christianity and Pentecost and all that stuff, you know. And, and here I am, you know, just, to, oh my, I thought, dear me. And she's in there, God, save my son, Lord. Don't let him die lost, oh God, oh God. You know how rebellious he is at times. Oh dear me. But you know, all the time I was kicking, there were nails that were fastening. Now you may not believe this, but some of the phrases that my mother used in prayer for me that I've heard her pray, I use those very same phrases this day when I pray to God. It made such a stamp, such an impression. It was like a nail that fastened the commandment of God on my heart. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. David said, Thy word, O Lord, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against Thee. It's important to get the Word of God down deep inside of your heart. When Jesus said, The words that I speak in you are their spirit and life, if you will subject yourself to His words of life, I'm here to tell you, you know, you come into a service like we had last Sunday night where God was obviously extremely interested in everyone, pulling everyone He could possibly pull. We had one of the greatest moves of spiritual gifts I've seen in a long time where God just continued to pull and pull and pull and pull, not willing that any should perish, not wanting one soul to go astray. Obviously interested in everybody. Didn't make any difference of age. Didn't make any difference at all. God was pulling for that per- for that person. And I believe that while I stand behind this pulpit tonight, while I call your attention to the working of the Holy Ghost, that God is indeed 
moving among you, talking to you, dealing with you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. The Word of the Lord, the Bible says, is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. My. My brother-in-law, Charlie, and by the way, while you're praying, pray for him. He just had surgery this week. He's in the UW hospital. I think he's coming home tomorrow. But he, he likes knives. Actually, what he likes to do, he likes to sharpen knives. He went over Gander Mountain. He got this little, this little jig, and you put a knife in it. Boy, he can, it's almost like playing a violin, you know. It's, he's got this little file or stone. It looks like kind of a violin bow that you play with, uh, play the violin with. And he, <laughs> he, he puts that knife in there, and, and it, you set the degree. And he'll look at this knife, and he knows, uh, because he had instructions with it, certain knives should be sharpened to a certain degree. And I'm telling you, you talk about getting them sharp. And he took a little knife that I had that... that <laughs> I thought it was beyond repair. It had so many gouges. You know, I have a little knife that I carry a lot. I open mail with it, you know. I also cut some metal with it every now and then. I mean, I use it for everything. I use it for a screwdriver. The end's broken off. But you know what he did? He took this thing, and he got it so sharp. He was by the fireplace, and we keep some paper there, and he took slicing. You know, he made an impression on me. I said, wow. I mean, just down through there. Charlie, you know what I did? I went in. I got all my hunting knives and knives that I even got some knives I took away from the boys when they were kids. <clears throat> I brought them in there. I said, "Sharpen them up, Charlie." I wanted to see it. Made an impression. But the Bible says the word of the Lord is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. You see, my knife only cuts one way, but the two-edged sword can cut down and up and down and up. Down and up, it's, it, it can it can perform double duty, you know. And when you come under the knife of God, oh, what God can do for you! Now you see, Charlie went in for surgery. He he has had problems for years, and he he couldn't figure out why he he got numbness and and pain. He couldn't lift his shoulder. And they X-rayed and X-rayed. They couldn't find. Would you believe? You'd think this would be very obvious. Someone just recently x-rayed him. They called him in and said, Well, Charlie, you have an extra set of ribs. You've got one too many ribs. Now, some people have been teasing him. They said when, when he goes to sleep and they take out those two ribs, he'll probably have two wives. <laughs> What's that? Some people have been teasing him. I didn't say who. By the way, it wasn't. Well, I was going to say it wasn't me. I I didn't I didn't start this. Sister Ellen Hop started this. So, you know, Dave or Ellen, you got to watch. If there's any mischief going on, you one or the other. They're either they're involved or they know who is involved. So Charlie told me about this, and 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 I thought it was uh, well, it was worth. Repeating, so <coughs> I repeated it. But <coughs> they said, now, Charlie, it's going to be very painful. 
What was happening is when he'd lift his arm, because, well, the human body is not designed to have that many ribs, there's not enough room up in there, that one of the ribs cracked loose on one end. It was attached to two places on both ends. And when he would pick his shoulder up, he was just aggravating and tearing the muscle tissue. And he was also putting pressure against a, a blood vessel and some nerves. Now, they said, it's going to be painful. And we can only do one at a time, because if we do both of these, you're going to be out of commission. Because you can't use your arm. They went underneath his arm. They put about a six-inch incision right up underneath his arm. They went up through the hollow up into his diaphragm in that area. Got that rib out of there. Actually, they took two ribs. They took, they took the, the cervical rib plus another one. Now, I said that to say this. You know, sometimes an operation of the Holy Ghost is painful. I've seen people pray and struggle at the altar. It's almost like they were fighting against themselves. That a real battle was taking place. Conviction was there. God had His Word working in their heart. But just as Charlie will obviously come from the hospital in much better shape than what he went in, at least that was the prediction before the operation took place, the Bible in the Old Testament said God sent forth His Word to heal. That even though the Word of the Lord may be sharp, sometimes like a goad, that there's healing power in that Word. And I don't care what problem you have, the Bible has an answer. And if you'll go to the Word of God, and if you'll read the Word of God, if you will hide the Word of God, I like to think of scriptural uh, scripture memorization as hiding the Word of God. Memorize the Scripture. Get it inside. So that in, the, in a moment's time of trouble, it's, it's there. You can whip it out of your mind. You can quote it to the devil and chase devils with it. You can quote it while someone is involved in an accident to enhance faith in others to believe. You can ward off temptation with it. Didn't Jesus defeat the devil with three verses in the wilderness? Sure he did. The disciples had this to say concerning the Lord. They met him after his resurrection. Momentarily, they did not recognize him. But while he went on his way, Peter had this to say. Did not our hearts burn within us while he yet spake to us by the way? God's word is life. You know, I don't know if you've ever been in a hospital where someone has had a transplant. I was at the UW hospital right after they transplanted, I guess, one of the first heart hearts into an individual. Someone had called me, and I'd gone to the hospital, and the patient was suffering from rejection. The body was rejecting. And all this time, here's this family, we waited and waited and waited for a donor. Now, this is when the operation was fairly new. All of a sudden, we got a call. 
the man is supposed to be at the hospital within two hours. And so he gets to the hospital. They take and they plant the heart in. After three or four days, fever sets in. And I was down at the hospital. They said he's rejecting his new heart. The very thing that we waited for and longed for to save him. His body is saying, I don't want this heart. This is, this is not my heart. You know, it's just kind of built in the body to do that. And how many times have you seen people, they're looking for something to bring peace and happiness. And all of a sudden, Jesus Christ comes. As Ezekiel said, we'll put a heart a flesh in you and take out the heart of stone. All of a sudden, God gives them a new heart. They receive Bible salvation with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. Only to have three or four days pass by in which they are not on medication, so to speak, of the Spirit. And their old flesh begins to reject before they gave their heart to God. Let me tell you something. When the Holy Spirit moves on you, you will... And if you'll submit to that change, you'll be happier for it. I'd like you to stand at this time. Moses put it this way. Before his death... We find this in the book of Deuteronomy. He said, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. And he wanted you to choose. Choose between good and evil. But he made it very plain to the people. He said, when you make the choice, though, when you choose good, you're choosing life. When you choose evil, you're choosing death. In other words, you, you cannot choose life and evil. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. When you choose life, you're talking about the good way. When you choose death, you're talking about the evil way. Praise God. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that God's Word has reached out and touched some heart tonight. I believe the Holy Ghost has worked on your heart. Now, you may be kicking against the traces, so to speak, like a mule or an oxen kicking against the pricks. But I also believe that deep down inside of your heart that the Word of God is like a nail that fastens the commandment there. In other words, you won't get away from it. Bury your head in the sand. Put it under a pillow. David said, every place I went, he was there. I climbed to the highest mountain, he was there. I went down to the lowest valley, he was there. Couldn't get away from him. You won't get away from God either. 
Praise God. As our praise singers begin to sing, we're going to give you the opportunity to come seek the Lord. Step out from where you are and come. Renew your experience with God or give your heart to the Lord tonight. Come on right now. The Lord is perfect. Converse. 